Hello and welcome to Women Rise, a podcast where we explore what it means to lead today as a woman, as an architect of change in a world in transition. I'm your host, Claire Molina, and I live and work on the island of Corsica in the south of France. I'm a coach, a psychotherapist, a mother, and a community lover. I teach, coach, and facilitate developmental programs for conscious women changemakers, helping them step into a new paradigm of leadership that emerges from awakening as their unique selves. The women I interview are awakened women who are straddling worlds, women who embody this new paradigm while acting as agents of change within their workplace. Together, we explore the ways that they are able to implement change and transformation within their own circles of care and influence, and their vision of a more beautiful world that works for everyone. So, my guest today is Becca Gardner, and Becca is an organic gardener. She carries her name well. She describes herself as deeply honoring all beings of the natural world, including the wingeds, swimmers, creepy crawlies, standing people, and furries. Becca is an environmental social justice advocate who works on the state and national level advocating for low-income housing, reduction on U.S. military spending, nuclear disarmament, Diplomacy instead of war, prison reform, best education for all children, and the honoring of indigenous rights and treaties. When she's not gardening and taking care of her human family, Becca is writing letters to her congressional representatives, showing up in meetings with her staff, participating in legislative hearings, giving testimony, joining rallies, and respectfully moving public awareness toward consideration of everyone's needs. Becca, welcome to Women Rise. I'm super excited about this interview, and I'm so curious to know more about you and how you got into this work and what animates you. Oh, well, thank you, Claire. It's an honor to be here with you. And this lovely project that you're involved with, I just think it's it's so such an important project in today's world for women to connect in a, a loving and respectful manner with with the powers that be and uh, make our statements about who we are and the power of our heart and wisdom. So yes, um, let me see. I I got into an honoring of the land because I come from uh, a line of minister farmers in Maine. And uh, my grandfather said that if he had a religion, it would be the worship of trees. And the, the women in my family have just had an, uh, a connection and a resonance with animals and with plants, seeing their responsiveness to human touch and to human awareness. So that's been in my family for a number of years. And I remember that when I was a child, my mother had hung a picture of a, an Indian maiden. And she had a lovely peach outfit. She was kneeling on a rock and behind her was a sunset. And so that greeted me in the morning and at night. And I'm sure had some effect on 
my images of the way I would like the world to be. And that is where humans are interconnected and aware of the other critters of the world, both the fauna and the flora, in a respectful way. So mm. I love hearing stories such as a fox coming closer and closer to a flute player who's outside her cabin in the corner of light and it's she realizes this creature is moving closer and closer to her in the dark and she's playing a flute and just uh enthralled with the sound and the energy that is being sent out as is the little fox apparently because it approaches her on its belly and it actually puts a paw on her boot looking up at her and she doesn't doesn't want to disrupt the the energy the connection going there so she just keeps playing her flute and then at some point i think she does accidentally tap her foot and the animal looks up and turns around and looks at her and moves into the shadow again so they are responsive to sacred music and to voice and to when human beings absent themselves from their personality and their normal reactions of seeing things as different. Animals just can move into that connection with humans. Totally, totally. So it sounds, Becca, that you, from the beginning and the way you were raised with the women in your family, your grandfather, it sounds like there was a, a natural environment for you to grow into that really fostered that way of being in you. So tell me, how was it for you to, to work within a governmental organization? I was a public school teacher and I taught reading and writing to 11-year-olds, 6th okay. and 7th graders. And I found the, the protocols quite stiff there. As increasingly, we were asked to teach to a test. And children, like most natural creatures, they don't respond well to a, a yeah. structure that uh, they don't understand as organic to them. So how did you navigate this world with this consciousness that you were carrying already? Did you, you seem like you seeped into this interconnected consciousness from a very early age. How was it for you to have one foot in this world and one foot in the more natural and more organic world, so to speak? Well, I had, uh, of course, we were allowed certain projects, and I would incorporate in those writing projects. We would go out on excursions by the creek, and they would, you know, I'd give a model of them of someone connecting with water and light and and critters and then we would sit find a place that was comfortable and sit down and write about it and then develop it into a play so uh it was usually through occasional when i could work it into the curriculum uh moving out into the woods and the trees and and sort of did you notice and what did mm, you notice? Mm. And then of course they loved to draw by and large and they were frisky they were not always and of course on task, right. so to say. <laughs> but um, they, the kids are very responsive. They want the adults to be indicating a direction that's beneficial. 
So they, they, many of them got it. And right. on some level, they got it, even if there was a dissonance as far as how they were raised and how their family it was. Mm -hmm. them. So yes, uh, largely through explorations, games outside and theater, when I was allowed to work it into the curriculum. And of course, children are more malleable. And, and I imagine that your visionary self had to navigate between the adult world and the regulations and, and, and all the procedures that were in place. Um, so tell me a little more about that side of the challenge. Well, it was a great learning process. We were on teams of the social studies, language arts, which I was, science and math. And it was a wonderful learning process for me. It, it definitely softened some of my edges about, um, you know, as a young person and my uh, any adamancy that I had about the way things should be was met by their adamancy about the way things should be. So it was a, it was a bumpy collaboration um, because a lot of, many of the things I did were not seen as sufficiently curriculum oriented. Mm -hmm. um, but the you know the administration seemed fine with it but it was it was a it was a learning process for the four teachers in on our team to work and, with one another right and, and so what did you learn about leadership through that process and i understand, i realize it's a very wide and big question so just take any angle that you feel inspired to what did you learn about leadership in this bumpy relationships throughout this years of working for an institution that's so so formatted in a way. Yes. Um, I learned to, of course, follow my own discernment because I was young and there were I, there was a question, a self-questioning there. Um, so I learned how to listen and how to hear what my inclinations, what my leadings were. And I think I also learned to be more compassionate to people who were contracted into a protocol that seemed artificial to me uh, because they are coming for, from where they are. You know, with, we've all, none of us get out of this without traumas and they had their own and they had resolved them uh, they were in the process of resolving them themselves. Mm -hmm. So I would say compassion and learning not to do a confrontational approach was important mm -hmm. for all of us. Uh, and to honor all of the people who are on the team's input and see what their gift and their strengths were. Yeah. That's, that's part yeah. of what I learned about uh, being my own leader in my own project. Yeah, and Becca, you're not mentioning it because there is a certain natural humility in you, but I understand that you were seeped into this nature of consciousness and interconnectedness from an early age, and that was a gift, you know, from a very early age. And I imagine that you didn't just arrive in this job as a young teacher without any wounds. I mean, you didn't develop a compassionate heart naturally. 
right? Even though you grew up in a beautiful and connected family, I imagine that it was a path for you to to get there. And and I'm just curious, how did you develop that compassion? Well, because I had examples of what I would call enlightened people, people who are willing to look at other dimensions besides uh, just the conventional way of looking, people who are willing to listen to their own discernment. Uh, because I had that model, I, I gathered it around me. I've had teachers uh, who were just lovely human beings. One of them was just when I was going through a particularly hard point. I was about 11 years old, and uh, she was a psychoanalyst from Canada, a friend of my mom's. And she gave me a little card that said, keep a green bough in your heart and a singing bird will come. I think it's an Irish saying, but for just poignant discernment of the struggle that I was going through was just, it was like an opening. So what a beautiful image. Yes. And, um, I've also had, I had a teacher and a, a friend, lover, a Korean War veteran who had done a lot of internal self-reflection and uh, had had wonderful people helping him do that. And he just was very patient and very, you know, would just, oh, just be quiet, he'd say, just let me talk, just absorb. Your mind will be able to put it where it needs to go. It's an open file cabinet. Your mind will automatically absorb what it needs and work with, work with it and, and call upon it again. And that was just wonderful, you know, for my, the part of me that was contracted about my own abilities to just say, and what he had to say was very worthy. He was a profound human being. So, yes, and I've had other friends that were just gentle and poetic and allowing and joyous. So joy is just an amazing that comes through us and out of us and around us. And that's one of the things that I feel about critters, natural critters, standing people, the trees. There's just a, they're all connected under the ground, the trees are. Their roots doing amazing things, protecting each other, giving us herbs and, and medicines for our heart and for our uh, body that we need. So yes, joy is a, a critical thing to allow for children and yeah. to acknowledge in them. And it sounds like you shared quite a lot of joy with, with the children throughout your, your whole career. I can imagine there were many that were able to uh, benefit from your presence and transmission. And yeah. so, so tell us a little more about how this desire to contribute, to share the joy, to live your consciousness of interconnectedness. How has this translated into what you're doing now in all the ways that you're being active today? I know there are many directions we could take, but I'm just going to give you the floor. And yeah, what would you like to share about that? Well, my in my organic garden, I have I have probably 30 different gardens. There are plots that are 15 by 15, 30 by 30. 
I have wildflower areas where the giant ragweed, which is a wonderful plant, it's edible, um, particularly when it's young, but it does grow to 12 feet and basically accrue the light for the wildflowers. So I'm working with it and trying to move it into certain areas because the, oh my heavens, there are so many birds and bugs that benefit, benefit from giant ragweed that, you know, you don't want to destroy it. It's chosen to be there. I was once told uh, by a friend that he, he lived out in the country and that he had a sense that plants would grow in it where a human was that had a specific yeah. um, disharmony. Yeah. And so because it chooses to be there, I will, you know, weed eat the, the, the giant ragweed in certain areas to allow the wildflowers to grow. But I also allow it a space and pay attention to it and pay attention to where the queen ants lace grows. And I share this with friends. I have pathways through the wildflower gardens that um, I, where my grandchildren and friends come and we talk about it. And it's, it's a lot about a game that a friend from the city taught me. Uh, did you notice? Did you just notice that person with that expression? Did you notice those kids in the water fountain? Did you notice what their game was all about? Uh, how much they shared with one another? So yes, I I play. Did you notice in my organic garden? I rotate. I appreciate. I thank, and I am involved with a number of Native American groups that have their own spaces that they're advocating for a recognition for, and I support them in that. And I have. Native Americans who come here, uh, and because Piscataway were, were the, was the nation that used to live here, and we just walk the land, because when there's a boulder that's cracked open, we know that that boulder has stories. There have been lovers on that. There have been, there's been treachery around it. You can feel the energy, the rocks speak to you. And this land has just some amazing rocks on it. And the lay of the land and the way the creek winds. And there's just so much that a person with a native mind can mm. be inspired and find joy about. Um, mm. So right now I'm I'm tentatively moving into having more people on the land gardening. I'm drawn to Native American because I think in this wonderful push in America for reparations, we sometimes forget that they were the original people. And that's, that's where I'm going with it is I'm opening to the possibility of having a ceremony here again, because I've, I've been involved with a Native ceremony on this land before. But again, and just seeing what kindness and what good stories we can share together here. Beautiful. So when you say, I walk the land, tell me more about what does it mean to walk the land? Uh, it means to, uh, for me, it's usually, it used to be longer periods. I've done a vision quest overnight in the woods by myself. Um, but now it tends to be for an hour and a half where I just, walk wherever my leading takes me and whichever rock and I stop by it and I see what's growing on it, what critters have okay. left their fallen card and, and what lichen and, you know, what stories you can see on the face of it. Um, just letting my imaginal 
capacities, mm-hmm. play with it. And then, you know, if I'm called to walk down by the stream, which I frequently am, I bless it and I thank it and look at the face of it of how the water is glinting on it and just feel all of the beings, the trees, the the deer that are watching me, the birds that are watching me and feel what they do, how they swoop around me. Um, so it's it's listening to the earth and listening to the story and just honoring it in this world of you know otherwise mechanization and agendas and and push and win lose metrics and you know just listening to the generosity of the song and the movement of the the earth in which we are enmeshed i love the pioneer statement it's all connected it's all alive it's all intelligent it's all relations. That is so beautiful, Becca. And I don't even want to go any further because you've said it all here. It's it's such a beautiful practice that you're involved in. And I hope that more people can benefit from your transmission on your land. Is there any anything that you want to add? I just felt like this was such a beautiful transmission. What touches me most in your story is how unique it is your sensitivity and how beautifully and so gently you transmit that through your unique self so i just wonder is there something that you want to add or do you feel complete i feel complete i'm delighted that that this may touch other people i I realize that many of us suffer from living in a city where we're compacted and we don't have a sense of nature, except for the dandelion that that just got strewed upon by our next door neighbor's dog. I just, no, I I do feel complete and I wish wish everyone the joy of of, uh, nature walk. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I wish you to have many nature walks with people who would want to meet you and and learn from you. So thank you so much for being here and and sharing your joy and your beautiful self. Thank you, Claire. Bye, Becca. Thank you for listening to Women Rise. I would love it if you'd leave us a review. And if you enjoyed the show today, also please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice so you never miss an episode. Thanks again and see you in two weeks.